thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey. And welcome to the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audra Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7. Today's podcast is going to be all about looking ways to support our nervous system through yoga and, you know, whether that's to help us to sleep, which of course is, you know, one of the biggest struggles we face as shift workers, or maybe to even uh, look at ways to improve our alertness when that fatigue really sets in. And to talk about this, I actually have two guests on the show today, uh, Dr. Carmel Harrington, who has actually already featured on the podcast way back in episode 54, where we spoke about sleep deprivation and weight fluctuations, which is another one of my favorite topics. Um, Carmel is actually an internationally recognized sleep expert holding a PhD in sleep medicine from Sydney University. Joining her is Jenny Blevins, who is a yoga teacher and trainer based down in regional New South Wales, who has been practicing and teaching yoga for over 30 years, um, which is pretty amazing. I have a feeling we're going to be feeling quite calm and zen out after this episode. Um, So to chat all about sleep and using yoga to support our nervous system, I'd like to give a warm, healthy shift worker welcome to both Carmel and Jenny. Hello. Hi, Audra. How are you going? I'm great. Hi, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, look, firstly, welcome back, Carmel. Oh, gosh, it feels like an eternity since we recorded that podcast all those years ago. <laughs> yeah, it was some time ago now, but, you know, it's really interesting because I think back then, Audra, you, you and I might have been some of the first people that were interested in raising awareness around sleep, but boy, oh, boy, hasn't it taken off and people are recognising that there's a bit of a sleeplessness crisis happening right now. And they're really getting interested into how to, how do they overcome their uh, sleeplessness issues? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you're you've been you know laying the path for years, way way ahead of me. <laughs> I'm just coming. I'm coming in behind you, obviously, from a, a shift working um, perspective. But you're right. It's it's awesome that uh, you know it's really starting to get that awareness. You know, locally here in Australia and globally as well, um, which is yeah, fantastic. And Jenny, of course, you know, welcome to your inaugural podcast interview on the on the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Audra. It's, it's a real pleasure. Yeah, well, it is. It's it's it is. It's lovely to have you both um, here, and I'm I really feel as though I've kind of got a bit of a dynamic duo on today because of what <laughs> because of what we're going to be talking about. It's so so incredibly um, incredibly important. But I guess uh, Carmel, just to kick things off, as you know, as someone who, of course, you know, does have a PhD in sleep medicine, I take my hat off to anybody that has done a PhD. It just it blows my mind, um, but can you please let our listeners know just how incredibly important sleep is and why, especially especially as shift workers, when our rosters can be a bit chaotic, why we need to be preserving, protecting and prioritising our sleep like our life depends on it? Yeah, look, it's so the, the research is very clear in the um, poor effects, the significant negative outcomes if we don't sleep well on our physical health. So if twice as likely to have a heart attack or stroke, we're um, 50% more likely to be obese or have metabolic dysfunction or have cardiovascular disease, hypertension, things like that. And our physical health 
will suffer, but so too will our brain health. And unfortunately, the research is showing that if we don't get enough sleep on a regular basis, we're twice as uh, vulnerable to developing dementia in the long term and five times as likely to develop depression. So these are huge, significant unhealth outcomes. But often when we're talking about shift work, because I'm really concerned, as I know you are, in the immediate effects of what happens when we have a, a worker who's working long shifts and has to drive, and, and so they've got mm. really acute effects of like, um, sleep deprivation. So we know that they're more likely to have an accident, they're more likely um, to, to have a, a pro- problem at work, with productivity or efficiency. There's all sorts of immediate and acute effects from lack of sleep that people are experiencing. And I think that's why it's so important for people to become aware of not how well did they sleep just last night, but how how well or how much sleep have they been getting over a couple of days. Because what's very clear now is that sleep loss is cumulative. It adds mm. up. If you miss an hour tonight, an hour tomorrow night, and the next hour, you've actually lost three hours of sleep. So it's like getting four hours of sleep on the fourth day. So people actually don't really recognise that, I think. Yeah, exactly, 100%. And especially I think our night shifters are going to really be able to resonate um, with that because they tend to, uh, you know, right from the get-go, unless they top up that sleep tank, you know, having a good nap before they go in for the first night shift, it gets quickly gets spirals out of control. Well, in fact, studies show that shift workers get um, less sleep than day workers and they can get as much as two to four hours less sleep Mm. um, than day workers. Now, this becomes quite problematic and we know that shift workers are more likely to have um, health problems than um, our day workers. And I think what happens very quickly is if our shift workers aren't educated in this area... And believe it or not, a lot of them are not. They're not educated about sleep. So they've got no control over it. They don't understand it. And this is this is our big thing now. You know, how do we educate people and save them from a situation that they didn't even know they were getting themselves in for? And so um, we need, and I think what these podcasts were actually getting to these people saying, okay, stop for a minute, recognise that sleep is important. And everyone, everyone only has 24 hours in the day. And so we have to start working out, okay, we need eight hours sleep. And if we work for 10 hours, then we've only got six hours of other, okay? We can't have, we can't have eight hours of sleep and 10 hours of work and eight hours of doing something else. That's too many, too many hours, okay? So mm. people have to work out how to prioritise their day. Reverse engineer. That's good. Reverse engineering. That's right. We start mm. off with eight hours sleep and then we do everything else around that mm, yeah yeah I, I love that and, and um yeah I'm definitely all about education too because people you know people don't know what they don't know and they can't change what they don't know so at least by bringing some awareness you know to the likes of you know what you know you're doing um certainly at least gives people the option to they can keep doing the same things and ignoring you know your advice or they can actually take a step back look at their life as a whole and see and focus on the stuff that they can change and I guess Carmel that's probably another area of shift workers that we do struggle with those people that do have tight turnaround times because and I know nursings in particular you know some of them have the eight hours turnaround which is just ridiculous it's yeah, I, I really, we desperately need that changed. But I wonder why these shifts are allowed. Or just, uh, I mean, you and I both yeah, say that. Yeah, yeah. 
we actually know that your mistake rate goes up. And so these people are at the front line in healthcare. Um, and unfortunately, they might they make a mistake and it can be an okay mistake and you get around it, but sometimes when you're front line, it's not an okay mistake. And so these people, it's a mistake because they're, they're not getting enough sleep and so their brain isn't working in the right way. But these people then have to live with that mistake. Mm. The rest of so these things aren't short term. And, and it's just we shouldn't be asking people to do this. And yet there's an expectation that healthcare workers are a little bit like that, you know, the bouncy uh, bunny. Energizer bunny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I'm ready to go again. Well, Research tells me very clearly you're not very ready. You're not ready to go again. And this is one of the things why I – but what happens, I have noticed, is that once people get in the spiral of a sleeplessness, they actually don't know how to get out of it sometimes. So they can hear all this advice that you give them and I give them and, and they go, yeah, yeah, I need it, but I don't know how to do it. Mm. I've actually lost an ability. I'm hyper alert. I'm whatever. And that's one of the reasons why um, – I've known Jenny um, for a long time and I was talking to her one day and she said, well, why aren't people doing yoga to help them with their sleep? And I thought, well, I know a lot about sleep, but I don't know a whole lot about yoga. Um, and it was, I was amazed when I, she started explaining to me all the different stuff they have to support, as she said at the beginning, the nervous system. And so in sleep we talk a lot about the parasympathetic system, which actually brings down our heart rate and, you know, does all that sort of stuff and makes us, it dominates our, our sleep time, whereas our sympathetic system dominates our wakefulness. But in fact, yoga um, has a lot of postures in it that actually stimulate one or the other. So it can bring about, in a natural way, your sleep, sleepiness, or it can bring about some alertness. And I found that quite uh, amazing because it means that the work that I do with people can be backed up with these exercises mm. to support their sleep like so Mm, kind of helping you to relax as well really yeah. isn't it because in order to be able to yeah. sleep we must be um, relaxed both in mind and body well that takes us over to Jenny actually <laughs> then Jenny how I guess yeah how more specifically can yoga uh, help with our sleep well I guess uh, one of the major causes of, of sleeplessness is anxiety mm. and worry yeah. not being able to turn the mind off, yeah. not yeah. being able to, you know, make that shift between, as Karma was saying, make that shift between uh, directing our energies out, you know, like when we're working, when we're engaging with the environment, we've got our sympathetic nervous system really, you know, firing up and activating, and that's that's essential, you know, <laughs> it's essential to our lives. But when we want to sleep, we need to be able to kind of reverse that and sort of start to just get that sense of turning the energies inwards. And this is where we can get that shift from the dominance of the sympathetic nervous system into the parasympathetic nervous system, what, what's often called the, the rest and digest, you know, part of our nervous yeah. system. And so, and I guess yoga is commonly, um, you know, associated with calming and uh relaxing but also i mean uh, as as much as sleep awareness is starting to increase certainly 
yoga is much more well known and certainly mm. heard, heard of in the last 10 or so years than say when I started in the in the 70s and 80s um, and there are lots of different types of yoga out there so when you when you know a listener perhaps might might hear that this is about yoga and sleep they have a particular idea about what yoga means to them yeah and it may be uh, very active or it may be very contemplative and quiet and um, and I think that's important to kind of distinguish well first of all acknowledge that there are a v- wide variety of practices in yoga and they are all useful but we need to be selective and really recognize what our needs are and then use the yoga practices that are you know compatible with with that to help you know to support our lives and and you know help us live our lives in the best way possible Mm, I love that um, because I think, well, I know of, um, you know, many night shifters that will even do their night shift and then they'll go straight to the gym afterwards and, you know, on no sleep and it's like, oh, my goodness, okay, I understand that, you know, you want to get some exercise in but your body really does need sleep. So maybe just incorporating something like some yoga, some restorative yoga like you were referring to, Jenny, be a much better strategy for them because it's going to help transition them even to calm that nervous system to to sleep uh yes yes that's absolutely spot on and i think we can use uh postures that are commonly used in restorative yoga uh which are held you know for you know maybe five minutes ten minutes with supports like with bolsters or cushions or, you know, the pillow on your bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, you know, a rolled up blanket or whatever. You can use uh, these these supports and props to support the body so that the body can really relax, but in a particular body posture. And I actually find this really interesting that the actual way we hold our body uh, has a direct effect on how we are not just physically but also emotionally and mentally. Mm. So, you know, like the stance of a depressed person is not someone with their chest out and their arms wide and they're looking up to the sky. That's not what we relate, you know. So, you know, a depressed person might tend to be more, you know, round-shouldered, chest is, you know, lowered, you know, that typical Mm, hunched uh, Charlie Brown kind of (laughs) in the Peanuts comic, that kind of a look. So... So when we can hold, when we hold our body in a particular position, it's going to reflect on how our nervous system, you know, or uh, certainly have an impact on how our nervous system is responding. So as part of our bedtime routine, which I know Carmel has spoken about, I think with you in the past, mm. part of our, our, our good bedtime routine may be using one or two of these restorative postures. Um, to just help that transition into the calming, uh, um, you know, the calming parasympathetic nervous system state. Mm. And also, of course, to do that, um, uh, yoga is not just about body stuff and body postures. It's also very much about breathing and about mental um, exercises to do to help uh, calm, calm the mind and also help to manage the mind, you know. The, the ancient yogis talked about the monkey mind and yeah. we're, we, we all know about that one when we're lying, you know, sleepless at 3 a.m. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, and so there are meditative techniques, concentration techniques and relaxation techniques that can help with that too. So what 
what I found interesting when Carmel and I started collaborating, uh, it was sort of, okay, let's use the yoga because it can help to reduce anxiety and help people prepare for mm, sleep. Yeah. But it's not just the posture stuff. It's, it's breathing practices and it's uh, meditation practices that can also can also uh, do that, you know. And it's, and it's, it's very effective and they can be very simple as well, very simple postures. And, and I think practices. that's really important, Audrey, this is what surprised me, is just how simple these practices can be to be effective. And one of the issues that I come across is when you start to say to people, we can do a yoga posture or relaxation, some people feel so insecure about their ability to do yoga. They think, oh, I'm not, I can't do it. You know, <laughs> I'm not a yoga person, that <laughs> sort of a thing. I hear that so often. Yeah. <laughs> And I think, and I say to them, look, it's not it's not what you imagine. And mm. again, yoga is whatever you want it to be, I guess, in lots of ways. But these postures actually are very simple to do, and in lots of ways, and I do practice them. Um, they're quite reassuring because once again, like everything else, once we have a process in place, we're very conditionable animals, right? So as soon as we start to do something over and over again, when we start to do it. Our brain goes there already, you know, like Pavlov's dog. We, we train our brain. So what happens with a good bedtime routine and we include a, some nice yoga postures, then when we start to do that, after a couple of days, our brain starts to say, oh, this is the time. We, we get ready. We're getting ready to go to sleep now. So it naturally goes to that place where, okay, I'm starting to go down, my activity level's going down, and I'm getting my brain and body ready for sleep. It's very conditionable, which is why... Routine is important, not just for adults, but for the children out there. And one of the things I often say to my parents who are worried about their children's sleep, just do some of these yoga postures with your kids. They love getting on the floor with their parents. And it's oh, so true. Yeah, yeah. And it's a bit of playtime, but actually doing something is really important to allow them to de-stress and get ready to go to sleep too because we know our young people are not getting the sleep that they need either. No, well, the whole screen thing, isn't it? We're addicted to our mobile phones. It's probably, um, you know, one of the one of the biggest biggest drivers. But so when we're talking about poses, I've got a couple that I'm thinking that I've got one of my big favourites that I, I, I mention a lot, a lot to my clients. But, Jenny, I'd love to, to hear a couple of your favourite pre-bedtime um, sleep poses that you would recommend sure sure well one that um uh just immediately came to mind when we're talking about children is child's pose <laughs> and oh, so yeah of child, course yeah, child's yeah. pose is beautiful in that it's the forward it's kind of a forward folding pose so with the support perhaps under your tummy or um under your chest you can actually fold your upper body and your head forward over the support. So you're kind of resting or cuddling onto your, your blanket or your, your old blanket or your pillow or whatever. Usually we do it with the legs bent and you're sitting back on your heels. And But that may be difficult for many people. You know, sometimes, because I hear all the time, I can't do yoga because I'm not flexible and <laughs> Yes, my, yes, My answer to that is, well, come to yoga and you'll become a lot more flexible. Exactly. Flexible to start. Yeah. But, but um, you know, you can have a support at the back of your knees or you can sit on something. You can have your legs just bent in front of you. You can sit on a chair on the edge of your bed 
and fold forward over your legs, yep. So that folding forward just symbolically even is, okay, I'm just leaving the outside world now and I'm starting to turn inwards and, and just start to, to relax. And it, it's, it has a very calming effect. It's also actually used uh, in, in anger management, which is interesting as well. So um, that one would be my go-to, I think, just to, you know, fold forward over the body, use whatever support you need to make sure your back feels comfortable and so on. And the other one is legs up the wall. Oh, I love <laughs> this one. Yeah, yeah. do So you know what? You can do this lying on your bed with your feet up on the top of your bed head if you need mm. to. Uh, or lie on the floor with your legs up on the bed or on your bedside chair. So you don't even have to, you know, you don't have to have a yoga, yoga studio in your house to do this stuff. And um, certainly, again, you just make yourself feel really comfy. So, But what is good is that if you have a firm, fairly firm surface because that enables the body to relax down. If you're on something really soft and cushy, it's almost like, um, the the body can't relax as much. You you need to have the safety and security that real firm support underneath you. So mm. unless you have a very firm bed, it's probably better to lie on the floor. But have your legs raised, and you'll find, especially if perhaps you even have something under your uh, under your hips, you know, so you actually sit on a little raised cushion or something. So your tummy's just that little bit higher than your head. That actually is really, really calming as well. So out of, yeah, out of uh, all of the, the postures that are available, they'd be my two picks, I think. Mm, lovely. That's um, yeah, interesting yeah, it, about the it, soft, the, the actual um, mattress. That's, a, yeah, good to know. Yeah. yeah, and there's another, actually there's a really nice one to do as well as that is uh, while you're lying on the floor, have your knees bent and just sway your knees from side to side and maybe rest your knees uh, yeah. side. Yeah. And this is this is really safe. If your knees don't go to the floor, that's uh, that's not the issue. Yeah, that's not the goal. But you can always have like a cushion or a pillow on either side of you so that as your knees drop across to the side, they can just rest. You take a few nice, long, slow breaths with the long exhalation. Then mm. you swap your knees over to the other side. Even just talking about this is making me feel sleep. Mm. <laughs> mm. So you take the knees across to the other side. Just have another couple of breaths, you know. And so if you have this really short repertoire, there's no need to rush. You take your time. And that slowing down of your activity as well as your breathing is really conducive to preparation for sleep. Mm. And I just would add in there too, and it was interesting when we first started working together, Audra, that um, one of the things I recommend to people is a, a particular breathing pattern. It's not complex, but it does actually come back to stimulating that parasympathetic system. And it's the breath that is inspi- you inspire for one. So you breathe in for one and you breathe out for two. So you breathe in for one, and out for two. And you do this, and over time, or fairly quickly actually, your breath rate starts to slow. When your breath rate starts to slow, so, so too does your heart rate, and your blood pressure goes down. And, and because we are stimulating system, so we are making a transition from the external world to the internal world. Mm. 
That's so good because I'm quite familiar with the 478 uh, breath uh, karma, which is similar, but on the similar, um, I guess, uh, idea. But the gosh, one and two, like that's even better because it's less thinking, there's less concentration. That's a beautiful, simple practice that can, mm. yeah, will complement, um, yeah, Jenny's um, mm. poses that she was sort of mentioning um, before. So, yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, actually, yeah. just um, getting back to that, you know, with the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system as well, like obviously stress plays a huge, huge role for shift workers. You know, we we can be stressed not only physically and emotionally, but unfortunately we are even to a biochemical level because of the, what we do with the sleep disruption. But are you aware of any studies um either of you I suppose that you know that have shown how yoga and I guess I'm thinking that is going to be you know through that use of breath can actually reduce some of the stress hormones like cortisol um look I'm not aware of the studies um I don't think there's been um the trouble is with these things it's it's sort of hard medicine um coming bang up against what we consider to be complementary medicine mm. so we know yoga works for say it's been looked at in people with breast cancer. Um, it's been looked at in women, uh, menopausal women. So it has an effect in those areas. Whether or not it actually is used uh, to de-stress people uh, doing shift work, I, I actually don't know. But we know that in other fields it actually does work to bring down the level of stress and improve the quality of life. I mean, that's one of the tests they look at. Look, look at the improvement in quality of life and improvement in sleep. So yoga has been shown in some fields, um, but I'm not aware of shift work. But Jenny's just looking at me about to say. There have been some studies uh, indicating that yoga can reduce anxiety and also depression in mild to moderate depression. Yeah. So... Um, it, it's certainly this is certainly a field that is that has a lot of interest. But as Carmel said, there hasn't been a lot of work done. But there has been some studies showing that 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 uh, uh, that interaction. Sorry, but with anxiety and depression, and uh, but there have been a number of studies connecting meditation and mindfulness to lowering mm. of anxiety. And yeah. when you're talking about the breath and the counting of the breath, that automatically makes us mindful of what is happening right now. And so if you're counting the breath, and from my understanding that one and two is can be a ratio. So you might breathe in, you might have the capacity to breathe in for a count of three, your own personal count of three, but then you breathe out for the count of six. So if you're doing that mental count, as well as lying in a, a relaxing pose or one of those restorative poses that I mentioned, you're automatically becoming more m mindful. And so this will reduce your anxiety. And it's also a great tool if you do notice that your mind is, is wandering or jumpy or, you know, monkeying around and you've got anxious and stressful thoughts. One of the techniques that you can use is just to really deliberately, really consciously make that decision, okay, now I'm going to breathe more slowly and I'm actually going to start counting. And you can even count those breaths. And so it may only be a momentary break from those worrisome thoughts, but as Carmel was saying, you know, we're like Pavlov's dogs. And the more we do it, the, the easier it becomes to just try to shift. 
And if I can just mention one more thing, one of the most important things that I've um, uh, uh, gained from my yoga practice over the years has been the ability to notice much more easily what's going on in my body and in my mind. So I still get aches and pains, I still get stiff, I still get worried and stressed. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think I really notice it early. And so that that um, ability to notice, and in yoga it's called the attitude of a witness, we can step back a little perhaps from that pain and discomfort in our body or from that agitation in our mind and and have that kind of almost third-party approach and, and start to use the, these techniques and not be quite so caught up and involved in the in the anxiety and in the emotion. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's like a, it's a, a distraction, isn't it? It's like a forced distraction to kind of focus on the now and the present moment and, um, yeah, and it can't sort of well, help to make you feel calm because it's blocking out all the other things. Yeah. That you, perhaps, that you, perhaps a little less emphasis on being forced but just, Using oh yeah, a, a yeah. little effort. <laughs> yeah, you have to be gentle. You know, like we all have stressful lives, and shift workers. Mm. You know, I don't know how they cope, <laughs> but it's it's um you know if we have a, a really compassionate approach to and be really gentle mm. and kind of you know approach all of this with the realization that maybe we you know we've been suffering for a long time and it's going to take some time to make some inroads you know mm. but there there are some very simple and really effective techniques out there mm. well just um one other question that I, I wanted to sort of ask to obviously we've spoken from the sleep perspective and then the other big struggle you know shift workers do experience is that you know relentless ongoing fatigue and and uh, Jenny you alluded to right at the beginning that there are different types of yoga it's not all one size fits all there are different types of you know power yoga classes and everything that you can go to um yeah how any sort of suggestions on for a very fatigued body um on you know either either particular yoga practices um particular classes or particular poses that might just help to improve that those those times when we just we are just beyond feeling fatigued yes when when you're very fatigued the last thing you want to hear is get up and move about and exercise oh 100 percent, 150 percent yeah yeah really uh to just get some gentle movement starting and mm. stretching uh, through your big muscle group. So I would, it's really, really good just to start to get the energy going a bit. Um, certainly, uh, standing poses are really good. And so if you can do some standing stretches, uh, perhaps going into poses, there's a particular series called the Warrior Series, which is really good, really strengthening, helps to uh, improve your breathing. So I would suggest you do standing poses slow stretching and uh, emphasize deeper breathing and kind of uh, it, it, it might might you know like it's, it's like the uh, other side of the coin where in those um, fatigue situations you're actually emphasizing the in breath so the inhalation so breathing in a little oh, more okay uh, uh, a little more strongly perhaps as long as it's comfy you know it always needs to be comfortable but you breathe in for that little bit longer than you breathe out. So there you're starting to actually activate the body and activate the nervous system. 
And look, fresh sorry, fresh air <laughs> mm. uh, is really good. Uh, if it's a really overheated room, you're going to be even more fatigued. Um, but there are the, the the breathing practices and the yoga styles would probably be those ones that are more active. Um, but to get in, to introduce your body to that, I think some really good standing slow stretches. Uh, would be really good in in just getting the heart rate up just a little bit, but also just uh, waking up the mind. Mm, I love that. And and I think this is really practical strategies that that people can do. I'm immediately thinking, you know, of of those that are listening that might be in a call centre that are sitting down all through the night uh, and obviously they hit the wall all through, you know, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning just by doing what you've just suggested, um, Jenny, is getting up, even going, going, not walking around the street obviously, but if they can, just getting outside and looking at the moonlight and taking in those deep, you know, inward breaths. I mean, that can just be a real game changer instead of having to go to, you know, caffeine or coffee number six or seven, uh, which is just going to, you know, raise the whole stress response even again. So I I loved it. That was really, um, yeah, really good advice. So, um, yeah, thank you. Also, that's fine. There are also, uh, you know, movements that you can do while you're still sitting. So that's yeah, true. Me of that. Yeah. You can still be sitting, but you can stretch your legs out and bend your knees in. You can do that while you're sitting. You can extend your arms up and roll your shoulders around, do a little side stretch, do a little twist so you turn around to face the back of your chair, each side, do a few, you know, movements like that and really emphasising a really deep, full in-breath um, that will you will automatically feel more awake. Mm, I love it. For your um, listeners, Audrey, um, Audrey, when you are anxious, you breathe much more one to one, don't you? Mm. you tend to that's that's a real anxiety breath. And or so, you hold your breath. Oh, yeah, hold your breath. <laughs> so that's why when we say let's let's emphasise the in breath and make it equal almost to the or a little bit longer than your out breath. That actually starts to stimulate that adrenaline and cortisol, which is the alert hormones, which is what you want. It doesn't make you stressed, but it actually alerts you and for you ready to, to maintain, you know, a, wake, a wakefulness, which is what you're trying to do at 4 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I, love, what I do love about the, the yoga practices is that they work on this vital energy. You know, yeah. we, call, we call it prana. You know, the Chinese medicine and Chinese traditions call it qi. But in, in yoga we call it prana and it's, that vital force that you can actually um, stimulate more of and get more of with deeper breathing and so on and body movements, but it doesn't, you can still stay focused, you know, so it's not like you've got that hyper alert, uh, scattered feeling, you know, that real edgy, I mean, we've all suffered that, Mm. that real edgy thing, you know, where you can't focus your mind. You want to be awake and you want to be energised, but you also want to keep that focus. And and you can actually do that. Just because you're more active and energised in your body and your mind doesn't mean you're scatty and uh, anxious. You know, you can be focused and concentrated but still super alert. Mm, perfect, which is, yeah, that's kind of what you want. Uh, you've, again, particularly like right at the beginning, Campbell's alluding to, oh, look, we've got a lot of emergency service personnel that work shift work and need that clarity and that is so, so critically important because of the decisions that they're making. Um, so, yeah, wonderful. Look, this has just been 
just such a lovely chat. Uh, look, I know that, and I'm a bit conscious of the time, could talk to you guys for ages, um, but I know that you have come, yeah, come together, the two of you, to now run a few workshops here in Australia. Can you tell us a little bit more about those? Because I know that you've already run a, a couple and I, I know that you're looking at doing another one um, down here in, in Byron Bay. Yes, look, it was a, a bit of a surprise when we first started these. Um, we thought, oh, this is really quite an important thing to do, so mm. let's just give it a go. But the response has been quite amazing. And we've actually um, – and what has happened is because it's a two-day workshop and the idea behind the two-day workshop is that I give a, a bigger education about sleep, but it becomes quite forensic so that people can actually delve deeply. It's like – um, when I see a patient and we have a private consult, there's lots of tools that you use um, to work out what the sleep issues are and, and how you can improve someone's sleep. But we give those tools, or I give those tools to the people throughout the workshop. But at the same time, Jenny is supporting what I do with the different yoga practices. <clears throat> so it actually it was amazing. We hadn't worked together. We just got together. And the synergy between the two, we, we were just fascinated by it ourselves. Mm. And then that sort of, you could see that the participants were enjoying as well. So what we've realised now is um, in the last workshop we gave, a, a lot of yoga therapists and yoga teachers came along because the tools, we give them tools to go back to their clients and the people they work with so they can do similar stuff. And I think this is what's so important because, you know, one person, me, and one person, Jenny, and one person, you, we can't. We have to disseminate information out, but more broadly. So somehow mm. or other, we have to work out how to get that pyramid going, you know. And I think this is what um, we, we, we would like to see um, happening because, as Jenny said, there's lots of choices about yoga, but what we give specifically in this workshop is what supports your sleep-wake cycle, and it's all based on that science of sleep-wake, and it's supported by the the science that I, I, I give to people. So, look, I think it's really important now because we're now recognising just how sleep is about 40% of people in Australia are not getting the sleep that they need and um, are struggling to get it. And I think this is something that can really make a difference. And we're running the workshop in Byron in September. So um, we're really hoping that bit by bit, with your help and other people who... Um, find this you know think that this is important we get the message out there and help people really help people with their ability to get the best out of life because as you know what we want is for people to live long and live well and mm. live happily and lack of sleep is going to affect every aspect of that those aims mm. it does that's exactly right it affects every single aspect of our life you know right down to your personal life which I think is is so important that we talk about that it's you know kind of impact yeah. on our relationships and that and so you know finding a way um you know to improve your sleep uh you know yeah by going to either you know individual consultations or attending workshops like this just always getting your antenna up to you know listening in are there any sleep <laughs> kind of courses that i can attend to and again it comes back to improving that education um, and awareness so that you know you can then bring you the tools to improve 
yeah, your own sleep. Well, look, it's um, yeah, I'll make sure that I include um, all of those um, bits and pieces in the show notes um, that you just shared with me. Then, uh, Carmel, that's great. It definitely, um, it definitely sounds like a very interesting workshop. Well, I'd like to just say thank you so very much to both of you for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Um, it, it's just a Oh, it's yeah it's such a critically important topic even though I train as a nutritionist it's sleep that has really just for me just you know pushed that right up to the top and then we get to the nutrition because as you said Carmel everything affects um, our you know our whole life is affected by lack of sleep so yeah yes I, I just would like to share I know we're just about to finish and time's running out but it's really interesting and I think this is a fascinating bit of information and science there's a part of a bra- in our brain that uh, it's a very small part of the hypothalamus and um, there's only about a thousand cells in this part of the brain. And it was originally discovered and thought of as being the feeding centre because when it was stimulated, it upregulated the appetite of rats, okay? So it was called a feeding centre. And then about five years later, they found that this was the part of the brain that actually was deficient in people who had narcolepsy, which is that dreadful sleepy Ooh. disorder, you know, they can't yeah. help them sleep. Yeah. So then they thought, wow, this controls how we sleep. So instead of calling it now the feeding centre, and it's controlled by a, a, a hypocretin or orexin, so it's called, you know, that, that's a hypocretin orexin system. And so then we knew it controlled our feeding, it controlled our sleep. But then about 10 years after that, what it was discovered was this little centre of the brain also controls our metabolic burn. And so this one part of the brain actually affects how we sleep, how we eat and how we exercise. And you know how I rabbit on over and over again about the three pillars of health, you know, exercise, sleep and nutrition. Mm. But isn't that interesting? The one part of the brain controls all three of those. And so... Our concentration on nutrition and exercise is important, but if we do it at the cost of sleep, we haven't got the balance, we haven't got it right. And our brain tells us that three things work in harmony together and we need to get it all right. Oh, my gosh, I wanted to give you a massive high-five comment for that. (laughs) (laughs) High-five for that. Agree a thousand, a thousand percent, yeah. Exactly. No, no point holding, standing there with a, a beautiful green smoothie if, um, yeah, you're not sort of surpri- uh, prioritizing your sleep. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely <laughs> agree with you. That is a wonderful way to kind of um, end the podcast, Carmel. Uh, so thanks for so much for sharing that. Well, look, that's it for another edition of the Health Issue Worker podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to share it with other shift workers who you think may benefit as this will help me to spread the healthy shift worker message to shift workers and organizations all around the world. For more information about what I do, including the release of my newly published book called Too Tired to Cook, which I'm going to be talking all about in the next episode, then head to uh, healthyshiftworker.com. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. Until next time, may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be, despite working 24-7. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.
Also, the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.